Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Julius Bear's Moving Markets podcast. It's Tuesday, the 28th of November, and my name is Helen Freer. So we saw a nervous start to the week by equity markets yesterday. On this morning's show, I'll be talking about the latest market news with John T. Warris. And I'm also joined this morning by Manuel Villegas, and I'll be asking him for his thoughts on the Binance story. But let's start with a roundup of the latest market news. Good morning, John T. Good morning, Helen. Okay, so let's start perhaps with the US, where we saw some economic data prints out yesterday, which showed some weakness. What can you tell us there? Yes, we saw US new home sales numbers out for October, which showed that sales of new US single-family homes fell by 5.6%, which was a larger drop than expected, as higher mortgage rates squeezed out buyers even as home builders slashed prices. Now, this looks probably to be only a temporary setback, given the ongoing shortage of previously owned houses on the market. And elsewhere, we also saw the US Dallas Fed Manufacturing Activity Index for November, which showed that factory activity in Texas contracted a little stronger in November than the prior month, as production slowed amid signals of a difficult environment for manufacturing. And why is this relevant, given that it's only a regional indicator? Yes, well, Texas is one of the largest and most economically diverse states in the US, Helen. The Dallas Fed Manufacturing Index therefore serves as a good proxy for overall manufacturing activity and economic health in the country. Okay, um, staying in the US, yesterday was Cyber Monday, which marked the end of Cyber Week. I saw some headlines that retail figures out of the US were quite encouraging, weren't they? They were. So according to preliminary estimates from Adobe Digital Insights, online sales in the US yesterday looked set to exceed $12 billion, a new record, with price-conscious consumers favoring buy-now, pay-later services to ease the stress on their wallets. Black Friday sales exceeded projections at just shy of $10 billion, up 7.5% from a year earlier. And Thanksgiving spending of north of $5 billion was up 5.5% according to the figures published yesterday. Adobe expects total spending for the Thursday to Monday period, known as Cyber Week, to be more than $38 billion, an increase from its earlier forecast of just over $37 billion. Okay, how did markets in the US fare yesterday? US markets finished lower yesterday in trading, ending near their worst levels after hovering within a fairly narrow band. We saw the Dow Jones and the S&P each lose around 0.2%, while the Nasdaq Composite dropped 0.1%. U.S. Treasuries were little changed after a rally in the previous session with the yield on the interest rate sensitive two-year Treasury at 490 and the yield on the 10-year hovering at around 439 when I checked a moment ago. The U.S. dollar was weaker on its major crosses yesterday for a fourth straight day on bets that the U.S. Federal Reserve is almost done with its rate hiking cycle and as solid Cyber Monday sales supported the broader risk mood. And the U.S. dollar is indeed on course for its worst month in a year. Gold finished up 0.5%, hovering around the $2,015 mark, and WTI crude settled down 0.9% and remains muted around the $75 handle. Let's move over to Europe now, because there's plenty happening here as well. We've just seen some economic data out of Germany this morning. Perhaps we could start there? That's right. Germany's GFK consumer confidence data this morning shows that consumer confidence in Germany fell by less than expected, dropping 27.8 points versus expectations of a fall of just over 28. So what this shows us, Helen, is that consumer sentiment in Europe's powerhouse remained stable overall in November. And it looks like the downwards trend has probably stopped for now. 
The data shows that consumers' willingness to buy is growing slightly, while forward-looking income expectations have experienced a slight decline. Okay, and how are markets looking here in Europe today? European equities are likely to see a subdued start to trading today, looking at the futures board, with a pretty bare economic calendar leaving investors trading cautiously ahead of a few major economic data points due later this week, including the PCE deflator numbers, eurozone inflation and manufacturing PMIs we can expect on Thursday. Moving on to Asia now, what do you have to report there? Well, MSCI's broadest index of Asia-Pacific shares, excluding Japan, is on course for its strongest monthly performance since January, with a nearly 7% gain. Japan's Nikkei, Asia's best-performing stock market this year, is actually set for its strongest monthly result in three years. Well, that all sounds very positive. So how are markets doing there in today's session? Well, Asian markets have had a bit of a mixed start to today's trading session. Uh, Japanese equities are trading lower as the Japanese yen continues to strengthen against its peers. Hong Kong shares are down by over 1%, while South Korean stocks are up by over 1%. And down under, Australian retail sales uh, unexpectedly fell in October in a sign that the Reserve Bank of Australia's aggressive interest rate increases are beginning to take their toll on households. And speaking in Hong Kong yesterday, the RBA's governor, Michelle Bullock, said that the central bank needs to do more to contain inflation expectations without pushing up unemployment. Okay, and perhaps lastly, John T, let's just talk about the day ahead. What can investors expect today? Well, economic data on the agenda that could influence markets today include US consumer confidence data and US Richmond Fed manufacturing index data for November, along with UK house price data. Um, Otherwise, EasyJet, uh, Pets at Home and Trigana are among the companies expected to release earnings today. And a quick look at the futures board shows that stock markets in the US are set for a rather flat open later today. And that's it from me. Very good. Thank you, John T, for the great roundup this morning. Thank you, Helen. Now, Manuel, moving on to you. Good morning, firstly. Good morning, Helen. So I think it would be helpful this morning if you could maybe sum up what happened with Binance. So the CEO stepped down last week and the company was hit with a $4 billion settlement, right? What was the what was the story here? Exactly. So the world's largest crypto exchange, which would be Binance and its CEO, Changpeng Cao, have pleaded guilty to criminal charges in the U.S. And as you know, these charges are sanctions violations and more importantly, anti-money laundering probes. Binance will have to pay one of the largest corporate penalties in the history of the U.S., which is close to $4.3 billion, as you rightly said, in charges. The deal included the Treasury Department, the Department of Justice, the CFTC, and a handful of other federal organizations. And it is very important to mention that these sanctions violations encompass the repeated failures to prevent suspicious transactions that were potentially linked to terrorist organizations. At the same time, one of the key points the U.S. government made during the case is that the former CEO knew that almost 25% of Binance's clients were U.S. clients, which would represent a major breach to policy. And what do you think the potential impact will be then of, of what happened here? To be completely honest, you know, the effect on prices have been marginal up to now. Some proponents believe that this was the much-needed catalyst for an ETF. The market sentiment in crypto is quite strong, so let's see what happens. Overall, the most sounding effect of the news has been that over $1 billion of customer assets 
have exited the exchange. And to put things into perspective, it is important to understand that Binance accounts for almost 40% of crypto's spot volumes. And even if the effects on prices are still marginal, the demise of Binance in the U.S. and the increasing regulatory constraints that will come across will heighten pressure on crypto. The exchange provides access not only to spot, but also to derivatives trading. And it is one of the largest holders of Bitcoin. Looking forward, the newly designated CEO, Richard Tang, will have plenty to do to prevent further outflows and to maintain the confidence in the exchange. Investors should expect further distrust towards centralized exchanges and opt for regulated solutions or self-custody. So as of right now, it wouldn't be too far-fetched to believe that market debt for crypto will further decrease and liquidity constraints will be widespread. Regulatory headwinds arising from this series of events will likely increase, but overall, we do believe unlikely that these events will hinder the asset classes development in the long term. And that's all for my end, Helen. Okay, great. Thanks very much for the update, Manuel. And that is all for today. Thank you again to my guests this morning and thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe and please also leave us a review on whichever platform you like to listen on. We'd love to hear your feedback. And do join us again tomorrow when Bernadette Anderko will be your host and she'll be speaking to more of our colleagues about what is moving markets. Have a great day, everyone, and bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Für unsere deutschsprachigen Zuhörer. We would also like to make you aware of Marktanalysen und Gespräche, a monthly podcast in German, where Julius Bear experts discuss some of the latest market developments. We share our key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape in German. Search for Marktanalysen und Gespräche on your favorite podcast player.